Welcome to another episode of Becoming Unfuckwithable with your host, Mindy Harley. Warning, listening to this podcast might cause you to shatter your limited beliefs, recognize your potential and motivate you to be the best you can be. Other side effects may include, but not limited, to grabbing life by the balls, taking no crap from anyone, becoming an unstoppable force at various aha moments to get you thinking outside the box. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Becoming Unfuckwithable. I am your host, Mindy Harley, and I am so glad you're here with me. Thanks for tuning in, whatever it is you're doing right now, whether it's the ride to work or your morning cardio like I do at 5 a.m., getting her done. But thank you for joining me. And I just want to say a huge thank you to everyone that's been on our Instagram. I say our, you know what? I'm I'm a one-woman show on this one, and I always am so respectful to a team behind me and people helping me that I just assume that, you know, it's ours. But I guess, yeah, my Instagram, my becoming unfuckwithable Instagram, you guys have been sharing the posts, leaving lots of love, uh, tuning in, sending DMs, sharing the love, and I appreciate that. And thank you. Thank you for that. I am dedicating this episode to perhaps maybe... Um, my younger listeners, or maybe, you know, you're older and you're kind of in that position where maybe you're beating yourself up over your decisions or you haven't quite given yourself the permission to go for those dreams that you had to go after a passion, pursue something, say yes to a new position at work, uh, quit your job, what have you, um, you know, and give yourself permission to maybe not be so hard on yourself if you haven't quite got it all figured out yet. And the reason why I'm going to say this is because we're going to take a little step back here into um, my younger years uh, when I was finishing high school you know, everyone, it seemed like everyone knew what the fuck they were doing, you know, choosing, um, you know, we're going on tours of the universities and colleges and everyone kind of already had things scoped out what they wanted to be. And I just didn't have any clue really, to be honest. I was, I, I thought I was weird. I thought there was something wrong with me. I thought that, you know, I should have had it figured out, like where, which, which class did I miss and which notes did I not get where I was supposed to have my next, you know, 20, 30 years figured out for my life. You know, I felt that I had failed somewhere down the line and, you know, when it came down to it, you know, I excelled in the arts. I was known as that art person. I was, you know, winning art competitions and whatnot. Little known, unknown fact about me. (laughs) I had this artsy, fartsy side. And the other part that I was, you know, really good at um, was, of course, um, business, retail, and marketing. But back then, you know, there wasn't really an outlet for that. I mean, I was, I was like, yeah, okay, run a business, but 
what kind of business that was that was the part that eluded me so I was like well I guess not and then I was like well on the art side and there's graphic design you know I can I can do that and you know my my dad was um a successful business owner he owned his own company uh construction company and he owned like a security company and he was always his own boss and you know he he worked hard but he worked for himself you know, and if you needed time off to take us on a family vacation, he did that. Um, you know, and I was I was fortunate in the sense that my parents uh, supported anything that I did. So there wasn't any sort of backlash or headbutting with that. But you know, when I decided, I was like, well, you know, I'll go, I'll go into graphic design. You know, and uh, yeah, so. I did that, took some courses at college, and I was almost instantly turned off from it because I guess I had this just self-awareness or what have you that, you know, art for me was was personal. It was like a pure joy. It was an outlet. It was a creative outlet. And all of a sudden, this side of graphic designing and designing stuff for the client and back and forth and all this stuff, I was just like, you know, it just, it wasn't my jam back then. And I dropped out. I didn't finish my courses. And, you know, it was, it wasn't devastating to my parents, but, you know, they were still like, okay, well, you know, we're sure you'll figure it out. Whatever you, you know, decide to put your heart into, we know that you'll excel at it. And, you know, at that time, you know, it, it was reassuring, but it was still, it was still scary. But as I got older, I soon found out that there was a little bit of this just hacking of the system. And I seemed to have this way to work things out as long as I trusted my gut. And there seems to have been times in my life where that skill of trusting my gut was turned on and turned off, turned on and turned off, depending on my environment and my surroundings, you know, who I was with, um, you know, depending on the relationship that I was in, where I was in my life, you know, it was very, you know, I had the very like, you know, the world is my oyster, I can do anything. And then there was the times where I was very, doubtful and not sure of myself but along the way I seemed to figure it out I got involved uh with the makeup industry which was the perfect outlet and the perfect marriage of you know my business and marketing background and sales and my artistry and I flourished at that and I actually you know I was hesitant to apply for a job with MAC Cosmetics. And I was, you know, always one of those girls, you know, you go up to the MAC counter and everyone looks beautiful and their makeup's done so well. You know, it's, it's a little intimidating. But I went and I, I took the chance without going to school for it. I didn't go to school for makeup artistry. And I got the job and I flourished in that job and I worked my way up 
And it actually came to the time where I had to move to Vancouver. And apparently, I guess, despite all odds in Vancouver, because I guess because the market's so saturated with makeup artists in Vancouver, it was the knowledge and the assumption that one must go to school for it to be accepted and you know the Blanche McDonald was the school that everyone went to the the most prestigious school there and there was a lot of people that came back and couldn't believe it like one person actually thought I was lying because their understanding like there was apparently people turned down and said that you know you had to go to school you couldn't get a job at Mac Cosmetics in Vancouver and so on and so on. And I really, you know, I broke that one limited belief with that. And again, you know, I, I worked at that. But there was still, you know, something something missing inside. And when push came to shove, <laughs> you know, it was I left my I left my job with them and I had worked my way up in management, um, brought my my team, um, my, my store location the first time, um, making their uh, sales quota and everyone getting bonus and it was rewarding and the people that I got to work with and uh, the teaching opportunities and involved with, um, you know, the, the um, individuals living with HIV and AIDS um, at one of the charities uh, in Vancouver and doing makeup for them and just really being involved in the community um, with MAC Cosmetics. And, you know, I loved it, but there was still, like I said, there was still something missing. I was working incredibly long hours um, being in management, you know, and taking the SkyTrain to work. I was leaving really at seven o'clock in the morning and not coming home till sometimes, you know, 1030 at night and then doing it all over again. And, you know, things like vacation time was, you know, very restricting. You know, I had to book it in advance. Um, if I needed to switch shifts, it could only be within management. And, you know, it was, it was exhausting. And then, of course, it is a sales-driven company, too. And, you know, it was it was pressure to make goal, um, you know, and I enjoyed it. But there was just a lot of pressure in management and a lot of, not a lot of balance in the rest of my life. And I felt like I was giving so much and really just running on fumes. So when the time came that I took a chance, I um, I followed my um, partner at the time, my boyfriend, to Mexico. Uh, he had gotten a job down there. And, you know, I, I could have stayed in Vancouver. I really could have. You know what? The, the opportunity to go to Mexico though and live down there although there wasn't exactly a clear plan for what exactly I was going to do um you know it was sort of that opportunity of a lifetime that I just I was just being pulled 
you know, almost by the universe itself to just say yes and take that risk and go. <laughs> and I strongly believe that if you jump, just trust that the net will be there. And, you know, I did. And a little bit of backstory, though, while I was working for Mac, I was doing social media management on the side for a lot of other businesses in the fitness industry. And I was doing it on the side as like a side hustle. And then, of course, when I left for Mexico, you know, a lot of um, the companies I was associated with, um, you know, we just decided to part ways. I was going to Mexico. I was also at a time in my life where I needed a hiatus from the fitness industry, big time, uh, for other reasons, and parted ways. So now when I'm in Mexico, I have the opportunity again to get back into social media, back into the fitness industry, and start doing what I love on my terms because I, I loved the social media aspect. I loved connecting with people. I loved helping brands make an impact online. And, you know, I had a moment of doubt where I was like, do I, should I do this? Do I, do I take, do I take this opportunity? You know, is this going to be right? And I was immediately met with a hell yeah. You know, I told my friend today with decision making, you know, what, if it's not, if it's not a fuck yeah, it's definitely a fuck no. So there should be, there really shouldn't be much of a gray area. And I jumped in and, you know, it led to more opportunities. It led to more management accounts and it's really funny because I got into social media at a time, again, when there was really no schooling for it. It was fresh. It was brand new. It was like 2008, 2009 there. There was, you know, there was no one really understanding how crucial social media was or was going to be. A lot of people wanted to dismiss it. And I learned a lot um, working for another guy kind of under his wing, helping him manage his social media. Um, he had a, an organization, a charitable organization and showing me kind of the ropes cause he was nerdy and techy and, you know, understood the algorithms and what made people click on content. So I learned, um, under his wing, but I had no professional training. Again, another in on a system that, I didn't go to school for that. Someone would have thought that, you know, back then it was like, well, you got to go to school for it. You got to go to school. Like how many years experience do you have? Which, you know, degree do you have in this? Like, and again, I hacked the system again. And now fast forward, you know, and yeah, I've taken, I've taken more courses. I've, you know, I believe that you're always learning, always be learning. You know, you're never, you're never an expert. If someone wants to slap that you're an expert or a guru or whatever else, you know, that's that's for them to slap on. But, you know, I'll always say that there's always a chance to learn and always be the student. And here I am again, you know, where I look back and I I didn't have I didn't have a clue when I was younger. And I could have 
followed the status quo and I could have, you know, I could have gone to school for nursing, gone back to school for nursing, or I could have, you know, took that job just to stay and be comfortable or stayed in Vancouver to be comfortable and not take a risk. But I didn't, you know, I always kind of just listened to that internal compass and just, just went with what I was feeling in my gut. Now, <laughs> I'm not to say like, holy shit, guys, you know, just, just listen to your heart, you know, listen to your gut. Like, I'm not saying that, but I want you to entertain the idea that if there's a will, there's a way. And if someone wants something badly enough, you'll find a way. If you wanted to get to some convention or fly back home, you know, to see someone before they passed, I'm sure as hell you would find a way. Big, borrow, you know, sell whatever you got on Craigslist for a couple bucks to go towards a plane ticket, call in sick to work, switch a shift, you know, promise to mow someone's lawn if they'll look after your dog while you're gone. You know, you'll find a way. And I truly believe that I was finding my way to my happiness. And I think so many people are missing out on the opportunity to be happy because they're being led by their fear instead of being led by their internal compass. And if this, you know, hits home for you in any way, you know, and I understand, yeah, you know, you, kids and the family, you know what? Kids are pretty damn resilient. If you need to move them around, I I say, you know, they're they're pretty resilient. Like, look at, you know, kids from parents, you know, in the army and stuff like that. They say, you know, they've moved around, they've lived in here and there and there. You know, I think in the end that, you know, gives them a little culture and diversity but shit what do I know I don't have kids but you know I, I just want you to look past the excuses of why you keep telling yourself that you can't go ahead and just take that risk you know like there'll always be a way that you can there's always a new job to be had you know weigh it out is is working you know 40 hours a week at this job you hate, you know, or can you adjust and work 30 hours a week at a job you love and maybe find like a different kind of side hustle or one of like something that you're good at or do something on the side to kind of make that extra income up where you'll still be happy, you know, and I had to do that for a while. Well, I was, you know, even even while I was in Mexico, you know, I was still doing makeup on the side and stuff just to kind of help keep things afloat while I was running the the social media stuff on the side and make extra money uh, when I was first getting started, you know. So there's always there's always a way to get creative and find another source of income, I believe. But maybe you're in a big house, maybe you could downsize, you know. But all I'm saying is don't be hard on yourself 
if you're one of those people that feels that you never figured it out, you didn't figure it out, or you're still trying to figure it out, but don't be afraid to take a leap. Don't be afraid to take a chance. You know, we're on this earth for a limited amount of times. How much of that part of your life on earth do you want to be freaking miserable? And look back, you know, when you're 80 and you're like, I should have done it. I just should have said yes to that opportunity. Don't be that person when you're 80, 90, on your deathbed. I'd hate for that. That's it for now, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. Let me know what you thought. Send me a DM. Thanks for tuning in, as always. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Becoming Unfuckwithable. If you believe you're unfuckwithable, go ahead and share this podcast.